two grave consequences. I am Caleb B, and that is where you can follow me on Twitter. I am joined, as always, by the man known as Maserati. Real Yo. quick, though, first, I want you guys to follow. Uh, sorry. Sorry there, Maz. Follow us on Twitter at GC underscore cast. Hit up our Gmail, uh, grave consequences podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I do most of the tweeting from my main account, and that's where I link the matches and stuff. Uh, for reference, the date is September 25th. So if anything, if we reference anything that's going to sound dated six days from now, that's why. Um, so, Moz, how are you today, man? I'm doing good. Uh, are you really concerned of anything sounding dated for a show that ended <laughs> like <laughs> three years ago, I think? Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, referring to things being dated about a show that this episode was really six years ago. But <laughs> um, but no, my, my worry is like I'd be like, oh, yeah, and that was really cool when the Braves, you know, got the whatever spot in the playoffs and then, you know, say that doesn't quite happen or whatever the case may be, you know, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. When I slip in those modern references, you know. We could uh, not do that, and then we don't have to worry about any kind of issue with being late to the party or too early. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that, that is a great idea, man. Um, any uh, any news from you on a personal note this week? Anything, you know, good, bad, indifferent? Anything you want to say here on the air? It's been actually a great week for me. My work uh, life has uh, drastically improved for me. Um, can't really talk about it on the air because of uh, the position I have, but it's just good news all around for me. Everything, folks. He he uh, is in charge of the X Men, so <laughs> yeah. he can't really uh, can't really go into detail. Can't talk about the X Men right now. What about you? There's this dude named Weapon Weapon X. He's gonna be uh, he'll be quite something. I'll tell you that. Um, and look forward to that actually uh, later on in the series run. As far as uh, as far as me, I mean, you can hear me just you know swigging on water here on the air, and uh, no, I had a had a pretty good work week. Had to work a little earlier this week, so you know waking up earlier, getting off earlier, that whole thing. It is my Friday, however, uh, and I have a uh, little bit of time to kill. Gonna watch the boys once we get off the air here, and um, man, I am ready to talk about. Season 1, Episode 5 of Lucha Underground, and the title of this episode was Boyle Heights Street Fight. The very first thing we start off with, and this, you know, just a precursor of things to come, a Conan and Dario Cueto promo. And the basic uh, gist of this is Hefe invites Conan into his office for a drink. Conan says, I'm not going to drink with a guy who had my boy Puma attacked from behind. Hefe says, hands were tied, you know, like, the crew doesn't answer to me, they answer to Big Rick. Uh, is his implication here i call bs but you know Dar doesn't seem like the most trustworthy guy so that's kind of why i'm i'm doing that um it's interesting you oh said by that the way i wrote that down i said lying in parentheses i was like yeah that doesn't sound true at all <laughs> no pretty sure he no. said in the first episode he hired them yes yes exactly um oh by the way when uh when conan suggests the match between prince puma and big rick I feel like there was a little bit of a shake in uh, Hefe's hand there. Did you notice that? He twitched, and his like I, I noticed his eyes and his face kind of twitched a little bit. I didn't know why. Uh, maybe you have some context onto why a Boyle Heights street fight is different than well. Any this other was even fight. before even before 
before Conan suggested the street fight, like uh, just the idea of Big Rick getting in there with Prince Puma for some reason scared uh, scared Hefe, even though Big Rick is, you know, obviously much bigger, much more powerful than Prince Puma. And here's my theory. My theory is that like Hefe is not a good guy, but he is a good judge of character. And he has Prince Puma pegged as this fearless warrior who will fight to the end, to the bitter end if he has to. And that, as a prospect, just kind of scares Hefe just a little. I have a different take on that. Okay. Uh, do you remember when he had to pay Big Rick to have a match and it took two stacks? Mm. Of... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to pay him again. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Because well, he, he, um, he put out the first stack of, of hundreds, and he was like, you know, no uh, and he he was kind of like, ugh, it's a lot. <laughs> That's, uh, man, I thought my uh, thought my little take was a little more intellectual and deep and so on and so forth. And no, yours makes more sense. It could be either. I mean, uh, yeah. he likes violence, and he likes putting on great violent matches so it was kind of confusing that he was hesitant and he was scared because he puts together matches as we go on that are so the consequences are so high that some people might not come back and he has no issue with that so uh he's never concerned with anyone's safety or if they'll be able to have another match ever again so i think it's the money (laughs) yeah that's fair that's fair um so before we leave the office here going into sides you know what i think i will take that drink right right before hefe is gonna sip from the from the glass <laughs> and conan takes the drink hands it back to dario and walks off and dario then takes the glass you know discards the ice and puts in a little sink because yeah yeah after conan takes the uh, takes the glass takes the drink dario discards the ice and just looks perturbed just annoyed like, he's not even angry. He's just annoyed. Yeah, it was a kind of a... I didn't know if there was more meaning to that or if it was just he drank from my glass kind of annoyance. I think that was it because he didn't touch the bull. So... Gotcha. Like, that's that's the one, like, token of Dario's. I'm pretty sure that, like, is sacred to him is the bull. Um, so next up, man, we get to... Uh, we get intro to the ring, to the temple itself. And I believe for the first time in the series, we get to see the the in-house band. And they don't give their name this week, but still pretty cool to see the in-house band. That's a kind of a rarity in wrestling. Yes, it, it is refreshing, and it's something different. It makes it seem mm-hmm. more like a uh, studio show or even a, a night show, almost. Uh, yeah. Just like its own flavor. Did, uh, did we ever discuss the, the setup of the temple and the fact that these guys are taking stairs to get to the ring because i think that's really cool i we haven't but you're right it is pretty cool it's different uh i mean moxley sometimes takes the stairs because of his entrances or the mm-hmm. shield would because they'd come from the crowd but you know from for lucha underground you're pretty much always taking the stairs unless you come right from dario's office exactly exactly um so again mil muertes comes to the ring and dude that that is a great way to start this show in the ring mil (laughs) muertes is going to be here and by the way he does kiss the stone at katrina's suggestion and uh my theory is and i could be wrong 
course, maybe this was explained later on in the series, and I just don't remember. Um, I believe that stone represents his rebirth. Yeah, they they do explain it. I forget the exact reasoning, but it's kind of like the Undertaker urn, or if you're a lich, they have that box where their soul goes to. It's just linked to him, gives him strength. If you do something with the stone, it gives him a headache or something. (laughs) (laughs) He wakes up with a migraine because... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, someone was messing with it the night before. Um, so his opponent from Inframundo, it's Drago. Um, I knew this match was going to be really good. Uh, Drago coming in, I believe Drago was one and one at this juncture. But that being said, Mill gets the jump early on. And uh, at one point, Mil Muertes nearly kills Drago with a scoop slam. Was that when uh, Drago did the uh, dive from the top rope? I believe so, and then like just gets caught into a scoop slam. Yes, he was which... going for a deep impact uh, DDT, and he just got killed yeah. with a spear. Yeah, no, that's later on. That's later on. Oh, um, okay. Because that's like near the that's near the finish. Yes. Oh, by the way, uh, about le- halfway through the match, we see King Cuerno just stalking, uh, presumably Drago from atop uh, El Jefe's uh, office. So, again, more people on the roof. So, that's cool. He's my favorite character. I don't care what anyone says. I just love the fact that him and another character do the same kind of tactics where they uh, they don't necessarily jump you or interfere with your match, but they wait until you're weak, and then they pounce. And it's refreshing for me. I'm going to use that word a lot. But so often in other promotions, people just interrupt matches when they'd be more beneficial to wait till the person's more softened up, you know, to... I would, I would absolutely agree. Oh, by the way, uh, after okay, l- later on in the match, Mill gets a power slam for two. After that, Drago goes up for uh, up to the top, but this is when he gets caught with the spear, and it was a sick spear. It was Dude, like a Goldberg on Christian style spear. Yeah. Dude, it was amazing. Yeah. This immediately sets up for the flatliner and a one, a two, a three. Mil Muertes still undefeated in Lucha Underground. And uh, afterwards, of course, Katrina, the uh, customary lick of the opponent after the match. You were right to that flatliner. Sans, yeah, this week, by the way, the lick is Sans any creepy commentary for Matt Stryker. So that's good. For now. Yeah, I, I was going to say, we'll get some creepy commentary later, but, you know, that's later. Johnny Wait. Mundo vignette, I wrote down, um, did, he came to, to Lucha Underground to be the best. Um, I wasn't a big fan of this vignette, and I'll tell you why. I have a thing that where, like, I'm really not a fan of that, oh, the boys up north are holding me back style promo. And this is what that felt like. It definitely was that. And it does get annoying because usually the people that do the best don't use that promo. Uh, it's usually people that don't really have much. It just feels kind of weak sauce. You know, that's, yeah. that's why didn't you leave then kind of thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I feel about Matt Cardona. I'm never going to be interested in him because I felt like he should have left millions of years ago. You know? <laughs> so I, I agree oh. with you. I think that promo is just weak. It's like, okay, blame where you came from, but you chose to go there. The one, the one thing that, oh, also, he eventually goes back to this promotion, but, um, 
yes. years later. But also, he he said like ah after I left them, I went to L.A. to or I went to to Hollywood to you know live my best life and do things my own way. And he basically implies he has a bunch of sex, from what I gathered. Just sex, just yeah. a bunch of sex and parkour, which sounds amazing, except for the parkour. But yes, exactly. <laughs> He sold me on half of that, Mr. Mundo. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of that vignette there. Uh, I think that got a resounding no from us there. Yeah, it did nothing for me, and it doesn't really... I don't know. It's more. That seemed like more like a heel promo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, eventually, later on, Jefe meets up with Katrina and uh, Mil Muertes. Katrina says, you can't keep the darkness locked away forever. Uh, El Jefe Dario Cueto leaves and he looks shook. Like he looks scared. This is the second time in this same episode where he's looked shook up. I'd be scared too, though, because uh, Mil Mortes was to the side of him, I believe, and you saw like his mask. I'd be mm-hmm. scared too. Yes, I also would be scared of Mil Mortes. Hell, even Sans Mask, Ricky Banderas, I would be scared of him. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame Hefe. By the mm-hmm. way, next up, Son of Havoc, or the Evilese, the baddest bitch in the building, versus the Lucha mini legend himself, Masquerita Sagrada. I wrote down they love the minis because, by God, Masquerita is amazing. He's so over. It's You were yeah. right. I, I forgot how over he was. But, man, the crowd loves him. He's over. Yeah. Like I, I think I wrote down, like, Oh, I, I said Drago was over like uh, like Darby Allen, but maybe maybe it's a uh, Masquerita. I mean, what? they're both over. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get on uh, Twitter and Google and find out what happened. What what Masquerita is doing these days? Because I'd like to see him in really any promotion. Like I know uh, minis kind of have a stigma here in the states, but I feel like we need to get past that, you know, and Lucha Underground was kind of making their way towards that. But, you know, only so much you can do with 50,000 people a week watching your show. Where would you uh, where do you think they could do that? Uh, I don't know if AEW could get away with it. Uh, Honestly, honestly, the NWA. You're right. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And well, I would say MLW, but I don't watch them, so I don't want to unfairly, you know, judge them one way or the other. Um, here's what I have wrote down in my notes: Masquerade advantage early. Son of Havoc has to powder. Masquerade gets a roll, a victory roll for two. Evilise interferes because, of course, she has to interfere. Son of Havoc just tosses Masquerade. He just just throws him, just throws him a few feet inside the ring. Yeah, he does a few bully tactics. I remember he even uh, punts him in the chest with a uh, with a kick, kind of like Kenny Omega, uh, taking yeah. him down. And he gets a few licks yeah. in, but Masquerita, you know, considering he's a mini, he brings it to Havoc. He doesn't... Uh, it's not one-sided, really. Yeah, no, it's really not. And, um, oh, at one point, and this is where, like, I believe the first time we see this in the series, if I'm not mistaken... Son of Havoc hits a clean, I mean a crisp, standing moonsault. I think you're right. I think this is the first time he's done it so far. Like, and it looked good. Folks, Even the crowd Son of too. Havoc slash Matt Cross is an athlete, 
bar none. He is an athlete. It's crazy. Where where is he right now? I think I've asked you already. I honestly but... don't know. I think he's freelancing with like um, independence, and he worked the last NWA pay per view back in January. Uh, I think he did like two matches in that tournament. Um, but other than that, yeah, just a bunch of freelance work, and you know, nothing major. I, I'm surprised AEW or Impact or really anyone hasn't you know signed him to a contract of any sort. But ah, uh, that's life. Well, he had a match with Kip Sabian in one of the AEW pay-per-views before they had a show. Really? And Kip was... Oh, wait, no, I I know... um, I know he had a match with MJF at All In. MJF, you're right. All In. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and he was... uh, uh, People liked him, uh, but... We haven't heard from him since. I, he could be dead for all I know. He's on a milk carton. There's no <laughs> oh, reason for him. Oh, by the way, eventually... Uh, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I agree. Eventually, a lady uh, kind of comes through the temple. She's at the top of the steps. She's got dark hair. Can't really get a look at her. Uh, looks to be of Asian descent, I, w- I would assume. I already know her name, but again, you know, it's it's sort of like the... Quato thing I don't want to give away for people who are just watching this with us, you know? Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wrote down... Well, it's not even no uh, spoilers. It's like, if there's a way that I can help I can help someone experience this show for the first time six years later, I want to do that, you know? True. I mean, it's a, it's a, noble, it's a noble attempt. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote down, uh, Matt Stryker had some more commentary. He said... Uh, normally, you would find something like this on my internet history when when uh, Matt Cross was chasing Masquerita, just letting us yeah. more into his head, which is interesting. Or yeah. no, maybe he was chasing uh, uh, Evil East or something. Masquerita was chasing Evil East. That's when Matt uh, delivered that nice little line. So, the old pervert Matt Striker strikes again, pun absolutely intended. Um, Matt. Masquerita just keeps fighting throughout this whole thing. He eventually ducks a big boot and then lands a tope onto Evil Lease. At one point, Matt Strecker says, Payback is an Evil Lease. That, that was a nice line. Although, of course, uh, Ian Hodgkinson, Vampiro, had to ruin it for everyone. He said, I think you mean Payback's a bitch. Just say bitch next time. He's, he's tending to ruin a lot of things for me in this second <laughs> uh, watch through. Uh, yeah, he's he'll terrible. make up for it though. At least in the first season, he'll make up for. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you know he makes up for. Well, okay, we Wrong can have commentary. this discussion off air about what I'm referring to. Uh, not on commentary, <laughs> but maybe yeah. another. Well, not on commentary, no. But yeah. Oh my God, Masquerita tilts around the world. And wins with a victory roll. So Masquerita wins again. Son of Havoc loses once again. That is two, I believe two, maybe three consecutive losses for Son of Havoc. So not a, not good days for him. No, it's not a good look. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Uh, Masquerade is two and one. Yeah. Folks, believe me when I say this this uh, arc with Son of Havoc, especially in the first season, it, it is going to blow your mind in all the best ways possible. I sincerely hope there is at least one first-time viewer of Lucha Underground listening to the show with us because the arc, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And when it hits a crescendo later on in the first season... You might cry. You might cry. I'm not kidding. You're not joking. I'm actually really looking forward. That's like actually the one moment I'm most looking forward to. Just because it should never have gone over as well as it did. Uh, and we'll talk about it when it happens because there's a lot of things that go against them. And the, the it's kind of like the pairing's almost kind of haphazard, kind of like Kenny and Hangman. I mean, we're mm-hmm. finding out now they plan that, but it, it doesn't feel like they expected much to come of it. Uh, but it gets really exciting, and I, I really can't wait till that moment because it's it's just so much fun. And when you say you might cry, I mean you're not joking. <laughs> yeah, no, like I like I am being completely genuine. You literally might cry when this hits a crescendo. Next up, Sexy Star versus Chavo Guerrero. This is a grudge match. It's relatively short. Chavo overpowers Sexy throughout most of it. As soon as the second. Sexy gets control and gets a little bit of breathing room. She grabs a chair. She's going to use it on Chavo. The ref decides, hey, I'm going to step in. I'm not just going to tell her not to use it. I'm going to block her from using it. So Sexy responds in kind by kicking this official in the penis. Dick kick. Dick kick city. And then she hits Chavo with the the chair. She wallops him with the chair, dude. Oh, pardon uh... me. I'm remembering that didn't happen. Well, uh, there was also the part of why she did that was because he forced a kiss on her. Mm-hmm. And when they were in the corner, he, he went for a kiss. And I'm, I was actually going to ask you about yeah, this. That's, yeah. Do you think they could do that ooh. nowadays without getting in trouble? No, absolutely not. Nor should they be, man. That's, oh, bad luck. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, that's what set her off. And that, she immediately, like, got out of the out of the corner, went for a chair. And that's when I actually love the dick kick because the ref gets in the middle of it. She has the chair and I was like, oh, she's going to throw the chair down. I was actually thinking that was awesome. She just says, fuck it and kicks him in the dick and then goes after Java. I was like, well, this is different. I'm all for mm-hmm. it. I was mistaken, by the way. She does not. She is not able to use the chair on Chavo here. Not by her, her own remorse, but by the uh, run-in of Pentagon Jr., who decides he's going to help out Chavo before they can, you know, move in and, you know, strike at her, though. Phoenix comes in and makes the save. So we got a nice little tag team feud going on here, man. Uh, Phoenix and Sexy Star, who, by the way, Phoenix and Sexy Star get the better of the Rudos here. And the Rudos powder and the, uh, the celebrate to uh, end the segment. Well, I had two notes on that. One, I think, mm-hmm. I think at that time in AAA, uh, Pentagon and Sexy Star were actually tag team partners. I uh, believe so, I, so. Yes, I think they had gold. 
And I, this is going to be the one, th- this is one of the few times I agree with Vampiro because he kept saying, why the hell is Pentagon getting involved in this? Because uh, yeah. it didn't do him any favors at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not going to be a feud that uh, people are going to remember Pentagon for. And it didn't really make sense why he cared. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. maybe it ties into something else a little bit later, but I don't remember. I was going to, I'll ask you off the air. Because yeah. I, um, I, I'm i not able to phrase my question in a way that's not spoilery. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And I, it, it could have started, well, well, we'll we'll move on from that. But I, I just, I, it was at, at first glance, it's kind of like, what is Pentagon? What, why does he care <laughs> about Chavo yeah. and, and sexy? Who, why does anybody care? frankly yeah why does anyone care but i mean i get phoenix running in phoenix is just like hey like they're gonna pick on this woman here and you know like i i'm not you know not down for that so i get phoenix's run-in but pentagon's unprompted run-in doesn't really make sense these are good questions man and we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about them more you know later on you know down the line and we are going to talk about tonight's main event. But before we do that, I want to talk. I want to hear a word from our sponsor this week. Support for the Grave Consequences podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. Oh boy. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I beg you, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SUPLEX. All right, so main event time. Prince Puma versus Big Rick in a Boyle Heights street fight. The only difference, I think, between a street fight and a Boyle Heights street fight is that a Boyle Heights street fight takes place on Boyle Heights, I would assume. I think you're right. One thing I noted when... Yeah, yeah. One thing I noted when Big Rick came out is he offered his stogie off to the people in the crowd, and they were just not having it at all. Dude, I would have took it. Not from him <laughs> yeah. after he smoked it, but I, I might have taken a free cigar. Yeah. yeah of course, man. Vampiro, oh, Prince Puma comes out during his entrance, and of course, Vampiro has to blame Conan. He says, the only reason Prince Puma's out here is because of Conan. It's like, it's his, well, it's technically true, but also not. I know 
one point they did not like each other, like for real, for real. But at this at, by this time, I'm pretty sure it was water under the bridge. But it is a nice little thread that they uh, weave throughout the run of the show. Apparently, they were doing something in Triple Eight, not too uh, far in the distant past. Uh, they actually, I was watching. I, I remember in the group chat, I was talking about discovering Triple A and how awesome I think it is. And there was a segment where uh, Vampiro is brawling with Conan, and it's like the worst fucking thing I've ever. It's just terrible. It's like two out of shape <laughs> wrestlers. It's like every two out of shape wrestlers you've ever seen. It's you know the 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 hype's there in the feud, but not the moves and not the technique. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wrote down every time Big Rick's in this ring, it feels like a fight. It doesn't feel like a match. It literally feels like a fight. Yeah, he just beats the crap out of a Puma. It's like always a strike or a boot, or he slams him down. It's, mm-hmm. and you know what? It I did not remember how dominant he was. He really messes people up. And this was more of an underdog yeah. kind of fight than the Mundo and Rick fight was more even. This one felt mm-hmm. more uh, considering that Puma requested this type of fight. It seemed like it was more in favor for Rick. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Um, I wrote down as soon as Puma gets up, every hope spot Puma gets in immediately gets snuffed out, not by Big Rick necessarily as much as the crew, because the crew just interferes throughout this whole thing. It was a very interesting choice to make this a street fight because you're right. Uh, the cheating does not help Puma at all. And no, I, I broke down in my notes. Do you know what made Cortez Castro bleed? Because he's bleeding from the head. Yeah, he was, yeah, he had a nice little cut by the end of the show for sure. Uh, uh, maybe a stray boot. I don't know. Maybe he caught the yeah. wrong edge of a boot. Yeah, I'm not sure if I. I didn't know if I missed it because uh, I wrote down that I was the whole point of this. Well, not the whole point of the match, but it, this match was almost directly being compared to the Mundo match. Like, who would have a better match? Puma or Johnny Mundo? And it wasn't a terrible match, but I like the Mundo one better just because Puma didn't really get a lot of shine here. He did some cool moves, but like you said, every time he got any momentum, Rick just beat the crap out of him. Or the crew interfered. I think they even give him a shatter machine at some point. Um, Yes, there was a shatter machine. Which I love. (laughs) But yeah. it's just uh, it Me was a too, weird man. choice, weird choice of match for the for the good guy, <laughs> when you know yeah, you're yeah. already outnumbered. But yeah, when you know, like, okay, well, my manager could come, but he's like he can barely walk. He uses a cane out here. I would have want him out here necessarily. And Big Rick is already like twice the size of me, and he's got two goons. So wh- why why Prince Puma suggested this match? I don't know, but. It certainly didn't work out for him. Conan is supposed to be looking out for this guy, and he just immediately let it, like, just caved. He just said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. I'll, I'll talk to Hefe. We'll get, we'll get this done." But someone pulled out a trash can, put it in the corner. There was actually trash in there. That was a nice yeah. touch. You got to think to yourself, like, why, why, why are there empty trash cans under the ring? <laughs> like, at least with full trash cans, you're like, okay, well, you know, they got kind of lazy putting it under the ring, but it makes sense that it's there. It's funny because Stryker even said he's like, it amazes me what's underneath a wrestling ring still to this day. Yeah, "Yeah, you're right. That's a little too meta for my taste, but uh, nice touch. 
It's true. Oh though. man, eventually eventually Big Rick takes the chair, decides to sit down and lets the crew do his dirty work for him again. Of course this doesn't work out. Puma gets the advantage. Sorry, go ahead. No, I saying, why not? You know, he's he's yeah allowed to do it. I'd take a breather too. I like that part. Cause like, yeah. Just... I did too. I did too because it set up a beautiful drop kick. <laughs> he got Puma drop kicks him the fuck out of that chair. It was awesome. And he got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> he got trapped in there because Big Rick is like huge. He's like 300 pounds of pure muscle, pure muscle, and he's over six feet tall. Um, yeah, he's big. Yeah, that's why they call him Big Rick. Come on. <laughs> By the way, Big Rick literally blocked a kendo stick shot with his hand. He doesn't care. He gives no fucks, that's for sure. Later on, the crew has Puma upside down crucified. This was sacrilegious. <laughs> Yep, by the by the ladder, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, they've got his feet trapped in the ladder in the corner, and the crew decides, okay, well, Rick wants to take his shots with the kendo stick, so we gotta we gotta take his arm. So, upside down crucifixion position. Of course, this triggers Johnny Mundo, like the good Christian boy that he is, uh, gets up to the roof, parkours from the roof into the ring, and gets the crew right out of there. Eventually, Johnny grabs a chair, and they do the old finish you've seen a million times before. Johnny Mudo sets up to hit Big Rick with the chair. Big Rick moves out of the way, and Prince Puma takes the chair shot. Mundo gets neutralized, and then Puma takes a Uranagi through a table, just like Mundo did the week before. This time, right on the seal of, uh, right on the Aztec seal in the ring. And one, two, three, Big Rick wins again. Did he, when he did the parkour for from the top, did you think, I thought he was going to hit Big Rick and I thought he missed. I was so, hoping he would, man. Yeah, it looked weird. I mean, it was a cool it move. It did look really weird. Yeah. It looked like he was supposed oh, to hit Oh, by the him. way, something we, uh, and this is my fault for neglecting it earlier on. Um, earlier on, someone hit a move on the Aztec seal, and that was King Cuerno. Hit that on Drago, hit the thrill of the hunt on Drago, right on the Aztec seal. That was beautiful. I just wanted to go to the back, go back to that real quick. Yep, it was that, that they do that a lot, which is cool. What's that? A Michinoku driver he does on uh, yeah. Drago. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Fitted absolutely. It. Yeah. So okay. What do you think of the finisher? What do you think of Mundo coming in and they go like the Attitude Era, like oh I hit the wrong guy with the chair route? Um, I want to like it more, but it seemed like it. He kept the way they kept lining up, and this is kind of weird to say because sometimes I love it, like in the Hangman and and Kenny versus the Bucks match where they line up almost like they're going to do a super kick, but they don't, and then Hangman lines up to do uh the the. Uh, What's the the clothesline called? He does buckshot. The buckshot lariat. Um, mm-hmm. This time, like it, it kind of was obvious he was going to hit Puma, and yeah. I kind of just didn't care because the match was kind of. I guess I couldn't get around the logic of the match because it didn't do Puma any favors, no. um, frankly. And it just, I don't know. It seemed like a throwaway match, even more so than the last one uh, where the crew got involved. Where it became a fuck finish. This one had a finish, but the whole match was a fuck, you know, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, it, it was decent. 
uh, take it or leave it. Like uh, I, yeah. I like, um, I probably like, well, I definitely like the No Mortes match better with Drago. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the best one of the show. I disagree, but I thought that match was better than this one. Oh, you like the Masquerita better? Uh, yeah, that was my match of the night, actually. And I was going to ask you, you know, as a new segment, what is your match of the night? But you just told me. So that's that's nice. Mil Mortes versus Drago. That's a good choice. I'm going Masquerita versus Son of Havoc. I thought that was a little more entertaining. But, you know, not really any bad matches on the show, per se. I think Sexy and Chava was too short to really get an honest rating. And this was a little too fucky to give a fair judgment to, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I actually liked the Sexy Star versus Chava. It was short. It was more of a story segment. But the way Chava mm-hmm. was wrestling was, I liked it because he was fighting like a bully. He was going slow. Yeah. He was just overpowering her. And you say that yeah. about a lot of matches, but it worked when he was doing it. But yes. um, I take points away from the Mascarita match because Ivelisse almost dropped Mascarita at one point. It looked like she did give him a tombstone pile driver, but when he did a dive, she tried to catch him and she almost dropped him. So. Ooh, sounds like Mascarita and Ivelisse have heat. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we did it last week. I want you to give a 1 to 10 on this show. What would you rate this show? Boy, I guess I'm going to I'm going to give it a 6 just cuz the I I it says it's almost as good as the last episode because it does have great matches, but the ending kind of sucked for me. It just didn't do anything, so that kind of, you know, the, you can't it's hard to have a bad main event and then have a great show. Um unfortunately. Yeah. I have to give it like a six. See, yeah, you went seven last week and I went six and a half last week. And I I was thinking about going six and a half again, but this lineup just didn't quite stack up with last week's. And then you consider how the main event went and I've got to give this a six. So we're going to agree here with uh, dual sixes here. So folks, we thank you for listening. Um, oh, by the way, you can always listen to me every single week, every single Wednesday night on Eddie and Caleb Serocast. Find that wherever you download podcasts. And folks, thank you for listening. We uh, we love each and every one of you in a platonic way. Don't don't get don't get attached. Don't don't read too far into it. And we hope you join us next week where we will re- be reviewing season one, episode six. And as always, thank you for listening. And always remember, we are the true ace of podcasts. Folks, we are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows, including 8-Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki, Floyd Johnson Jr., Again, that's All Things Elite. That covers AEW, and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator. And I believe uh, once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Greg? I was on the first one. We've also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryant. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show, uh, New Japan-centric, Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by... Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith, a couple of great guys in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network. If you if you notice the theme, 
Also, of course, we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be Grave Consequences.